Chapter Nine of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Lefanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine. Monica Knollys. Punctually, Lady Knollys arrived. She was accompanied by her nephew, Captain Oakley. They arrived a little before dinner, just in time to get to their rooms and dress. But Mary Quince enlivened my toilet with eloquent descriptions of the youthful captain whom she had met in the gallery on his way to his room with the servant and told me how he stopped to let her pass and how he smiled so handsome i was very young then you know and more childish even than my years but this talk of mary quince's interested me i must confess considerably i was painting all sorts of portraits of this heroic soldier while affecting i am afraid a hypocritical indifference to her narration and i know i was very nervous and painstaking about my toilet that evening when i went down to the drawing-room lady knollys was there talking volubly to my father as i entered a woman not really old but such as very young people fancy aged energetic bright saucy dressed handsomely in purple satin with a good deal of lace and a rich point i know not how to call it not a cap a sort of head-dress light and simple but grand withal over her greyish silken hair rather tall by no means stout on the whole a good firm figure with something kindly in her look she got up quite like a young person and coming quickly to meet me with a smile my young cousin she cried and kissed me on both cheeks you know who i am your cousin monica monica knollys and very glad dear to see you though she has not set eyes on you since you were no longer than that paper-knife now come here to the lamp for i must look at you who is she like let me see like your poor mother i think my dear but you've the aylmer nose yes not a bad nose either and come very good eyes upon my life yes certainly something of her poor mother not a bit like you austin my father gave her a look as near a smile as i had seen there for a long time shrewd cynical but kindly too and said he so much the better monica eh it was not for me to say but you know austin you always were an ugly creature how shocked and indignant the little girl looks you must not be vexed you loyal little woman with cousin monica for telling the truth papa was and will be ugly all his days come austin dear tell her is not it so what dispose against myself that's not english law monica well maybe not but if the child won't believe her own eyes how is she to believe me she has long pretty hands you have and very nice feet too how old is she how old child said my father to me transferring the question she recurred again to my eyes that is the true grey large deep soft very peculiar yes dear very pretty long lashes and such bright tints you'll be in the book of beauty my dear when you come out and have all the poet people writing verses to the tip of your nose and a very pretty little nose it is i must mention here how striking was the change in my father's spirit 
while talking and listening to his odd and voluble old cousin monica reflected from bygone associations there had come a glimmer of something not gaiety indeed but like an appreciation of gaiety the gloom and inflexibility were gone and there was an evident encouragement and enjoyment of the incessant sallies of his bustling visitor how morbid must have been the tendencies of his habitual solitude i think appeared from the evident thawing and brightening that accompanied even this transient gleam of human society i was not a companion more childish than most girls of my age and trained in all his whimsical ways never to interrupt a silence or force his thoughts by unexpected question or remark out of their monotonous or painful channel i was as much surprised at the good humour with which he submitted to his cousin's saucy talk and indeed just then those black panelled and pictured walls and that quaint misshapen room seemed to have exchanged their stern and awful character for something wonderfully pleasanter to me notwithstanding the unpleasantness of the personal criticism to which the plain-spoken lady chose to subject me just at that moment captain oakley joined us he was my first actual vision of that awful and distant world of fashion of whose splendours i had already read something in the three-volumed gospel of the circulating library handsome elegant with features almost feminine and soft wavy black hair whiskers and moustache he was altogether such a knight as i had never beheld or even fancied at knoll a hero of another species and from the region of the demigods i did not then perceive that coldness of the eye and cruel curl of the voluptuous lip only a suspicion yet enough to indicate the profligate man and savouring of death unto death but i was young and had not yet the direful knowledge of good and evil that comes with years and he was so very handsome and talked in a way that was so new to me and was so much more charming than the well-bred converse of the humdrum county families with whom i had occasionally sojourned for a week at a time it came out incidentally that his leave of absence was to expire the day after to-morrow a lilliputian pang of disappointment followed this announcement already i was sorry to lose him so soon we begin to make a property of what pleases us i was shy but not awkward i was flattered by the attention of this amusing perhaps rather fascinating young man of the world and he plainly addressed himself with diligence to amuse and please me i dare say there was more effort than i fancied in bringing his talk down to my humble level and interesting me and making me laugh about people whom i had never heard of before than i then suspected cousin knollys meanwhile was talking to papa it was just the conversation that suited a man so silent as habit had made him for her frolic fluency left him little to supply it was totally impossible indeed even in our taciturn household that conversation should ever flag while she was among us cousin knollys and i went into the drawing-room together leaving the gentlemen rather ill-assorted i fear to entertain one another for a time come here my dear and sit near me said lady knollys dropping into an easy-chair with an energetic little plump and tell me how you and your papa get on i can remember him quite a cheerful man once and rather amusing yes indeed and now you see what a bore he is 
all by shutting himself up and nursing his whims and fancies are those your drawings dear yes very bad i'm afraid but there are a few better i think in the portfolio in the cabinet in the hall they are by no means bad my dear and you play of course yes that is a little pretty well i hope i dare say i must hear you by and by and how does your papa amuse you you look bewildered dear well i dare say amusement is not a frequent word in this house but you must not turn into a nun or worse into a puritan what is he a fifth monarchy man or something i forget tell me the name my dear papa is a swedenborgian i believe yes yes i forgot the horrid name a swedenborgian that is it i don't know exactly what they think but every one knows they are a sort of pagans my dear he's not making one of you dear is he i go to church every sunday well that's a mercy swedenborgian is such an ugly name and besides they're all likely to be damned my dear and that's a serious consideration i really wish poor austin had hit on something else i'd much rather have no religion and enjoy life while i'm in it than choose one to worry me here and bedevil me hereafter but some people my dear have a taste for being miserable and provide like poor austin for its gratification in the next world as well as here <laughs> how grave the little woman looks don't you think me very wicked you know you do and very likely you are right who makes your dresses my dear you are such a figure of fun mrs rusk i think ordered this dress i and mary quince planned it i thought it very nice we all like it very well there was something i dare say very whimsical about it probably very absurd judged at least by the canons of fashion and old cousin monica knollys in whose eye the london fashions were always fresh was palpably struck by it as if it had been some enormity against anatomy for she certainly laughed very heartily indeed there were tears on her cheeks when she had done and i am sure my aspect of wonder and dignity as her hilarity proceeded helped to revive her merriment again and again as it was subsiding there you mustn't be vexed with old cousin monica she cried jumping up and giving me a little hug and bestowing a hearty kiss on my forehead and a jolly little slap on my cheek always remember your cousin monica is an outspoken wicked old fool who likes you and never be offended by her nonsense a council of three you all sat upon it mrs rusk you said and mary quince and your wise self the weird sisters and austin stepped in as macbeth and said what is it you do and all made answer together as something or other without a name now seriously my dear it is quite unpardonable in austin your papa i mean to hand you over to be robed and bedizened according to the whimsies of these wild old women aren't they old if they know better it's positively fiendish i'll blow him up i will indeed my dear you know you're an heiress and ought not to appear like a jack pudding papa intends sending me to london with madame and mary quince and going with me himself if dr Bryerley says he may make the journey and then i am to have dresses and everything well that is better and who is dr Bryerley? is your papa ill ill oh no 
he always seems just the same you don't think him ill it looking ill i mean i asked eagerly and frightened no my dear he looks very well for his time of life but why is dr what's-his-name here is he a physician or a divine or a horse doctor and why is his leave asked uh, i really don't understand is he what you call em a swedenborgian i believe so ah oh, i see <laughs> and so poor austin must ask leave to go up to town well go he shall whether his doctor likes it or not for it would not do to send you there in charge of your frenchwoman my dear what's her name madame de la rougierre End of chapter 9